I started to become an angry man. Yeah. I actually felt it. And it, it got to the point I've never noticed it before where you get, everything gets on top of you. And I was just snapping at something. So even my wife was telling me, just, why are you doing that? Why am I doing that? Welcome to Spotlight with David Moran of MP Digital. On today's podcast, we're going to be talking about uh, the fast growth that experience has experienced and the challenges that's brought, not only in terms of staffing, but the pressure that he puts on himself to perform. Literally, a bit of an introduction to yourself and your business, just to start with. Yeah, so I'm David Moran. I run MP Digital. Uh, name came about because it's my surname and my wife's maiden name, so we just merged it together. Needs to think fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, dictionary. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, we specialise in web development, but in the leisure industry. So we we look at booking systems and websites within the within the leisure industry. We've got a little bit of other stuff that we do regarding AdWords and SEO, but our main area is is that, and it's it's come about because it's it's niche. It's quite niche. But it's actually we've we've gone into that. So when we first started, it was very very broad, and we started to find that actually there's a there's a route here, and we followed it, and all our clients came with us, and we developed it in that way, and it's worked quite well. And from from first year to to now, every year it's progressed in the leisure industry, and it's gone globally. So we've got clients across in uh, Europe, in New Zealand, and Canada as well. So it's progressed that way, and they're all in the leisure and. For a subject, for employees and for myself, it's, it's actually quite fun. It's not a boring one. And yeah. you can kind of be a bit quirky with it because it's fun. So. And was it something that you've got experience in you've got experience in bookings? Is it something that you that's was your background as previous employment? No. So, so strangely enough, my background is is web development. So 10, no, 15 years ago, I started web development, worked all the way up, and I went through all the stages of becoming uh, web developer, senior, um, all, all the levels yeah. all the way up. And I understood code and I could do it, but I never actually went into the leisure area. It was, the I worked for one agency in Derby that is leisure associated, but actually it was never my forte or never my thing to really go into it. And it actually was very organic. So that client had a very, very difficult time. They were on the verge of being sued for millions of pounds because of a system that they had in place because there was issues with it that was serious, internationally serious. So we actually swooped in and tried to help them with it and went, this isn't going to work, you need a new one. And I, I put together a team. Uh, so this was when it was very, it was just me. Uh, built it, bought, brought a team in to actually build this solution for them. And from then it's just it's just gone northward and we brought on new clients off the back of that. We brought on other customers from from that. It's all been very, very organic. What's quite nice because it's all word of mouth. So there's a lot of trust in it. And I think personally, I've always had the fear of God of dealing with money. So I've never really wanted to do it, but it's got me past that stage. And actually, it's, it's, it's not too bad. Yeah. If, if you do the right steps, have the right people and follow the processes, it, it's quite straightforward. But there is, there is always in the back of my head, hold on, we're dealing with a lot of people's data, a lot of people's money, we've just got to be careful with it. But I guess it comes, it comes with the territory. I think that comes with like, uh, I think that comes with like, experience as well, doesn't it? I think like, um, 
like paying the salaries as yeah. your wage bill gets bigger and bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mate said to me the other day, he's like, I don't know how you cope with your overheads. I said, to be honest with you, I don't even, I don't think about it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's like when I, I said, like when I first started, I'd lie in bed at night thinking, yeah. you fucking mad bastard. Yeah. Like, you just used to get paid by somebody else before. <coughs> now you're like the last mm. in the queue. I just don't think about it anymore. I, suppose, I think that does come with like, it does, and it's, I've always said to, to to the guys, "Is like you guys get paid more than me." Yeah, and that's, that's 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 how it is, um, and it, we reap the rewards together. And actually, if you guys can come in, bring something into the business, pay your own salary and more, then that, I'm fine with it. And actually, we, I'd rather work in a small team than I would in a big corporate company where there's two hundred of you, because you're just a, one fish in a big pond where they're all up there and you don't talk to them. So, so it's quite nice. But yeah, it's. It's a learning curve when you start your own business. It really is, and I don't think you can. I don't think you can be trained or taught it. Yeah. Not you can get that. that oh, you got to understand this. You got to understand that. But actually doing it, you don't. You can't get taught it because it's a completely different mentality. How you think, how you operate, and it's like you says. It's not just you. You've got to start thinking about everybody else, and that's the scary thing. Think about your family, but hold on. You've now got to think about your extended family yeah. as a business. You work your way through different agencies. Are they in different sort of sizes, I'm guessing? Yeah, different sizes in different areas around the country. So when, when I first started, I worked for a company in Leeds that was it was quite large. So it was it's just it was just experience. It yeah. would be coming in at the bottom, just do your job and get out yeah. or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then the next one was a smaller agency over in Manchester. So that was I was living over in Leeds at the time, so travelling over. And that was a team of about 14, 15. So that was quite nice because it was at the size where you can get to grips with stuff and you can kind of grow a little bit into it. Um, and that, to be fair, um, credit to them, they were probably the ones that helped me so much because they gave me the freedom of being able to go and talk to clients, go and do this. And actually, for a developer to be able to talk is pretty unusual. It is. So it allowed me to go to clients, take briefs, and go through that way and actually do audits and build it that way. So for that... For that agency, I worked all the way up to head of development through there and, and, and managed a small team. And at that point, for me, it was I've, ri- I've hit the limit, really. I've, I've got a plan. I want my own place, but I've, I've kind of hit the limit. Where do we go now? And that at that time, we was kind of moving because my, my wife worked down in Nottingham. So I actually looked down in Derby and moved to a, a Derby agency. And it, it, was a, it was a backward step. In all honesty, it was a backward step, but a forward step in experience because it allowed me to get into a different industry and a different sector completely and a different way of how an agency operates. Um, and then from that part, it wasn't there long. And I moved to a solely development agency that was in um, Nottingham Derby, just on the edge. And they were a lot larger. And I went in actually right at the top as head of development. So I managed a team of about 14 people. So it was quite nice. Um, and that, that, that was an interesting one. That really was, because that, you weren't really developing anymore. You were managing staff, managing processes, and managing clients. But actually, for natural pro- progression, it, you go through those steps, especially when you start to run a business, you go through those steps. So it was it was quite nice. And then from that stage, uh, I was there, I can't remember how long, six, seven months. And at that point, it, something changed. Something changed in the, in the industry and something changed in the business. And obviously, I was the first in, but obviously, probably one of the most expensive because we're at the top. So they let me go first. And I remember on their exit interview, I said to them, don't worry, I'll be your competitor. And that's kind of, I think they, they just they just kind of giggled between themselves. 
and I set up my own business. And I didn't go after them, but I knew what I wanted to do in development. And in short, we kind of are a competitor, but not solely, because we obviously um, started to move towards le the leisure industry. Um, and I think if that had not happened, I'd have probably sit in a little comfort zone of, I'll do it at some point, I'll do it at some point. So that kick actually got me off and, and made me made me set up the own company. I think, I think getting sat quite a few times made me sat was one of the catalysts for like setting up my own so you sat like go away yeah, yeah, same difference but yeah like that was definitely for me was one of the catalysts of like setting up my own business I think it was definitely a childhood dream though for me yeah. I'd always have uh, a business, my own business and I do similar to what you've said I do feel as if I used different types of companies and different types of jobs and opportunities not that I wasn't committed to yeah, them yeah. but to like gain their experience yeah. that I was yeah, yeah. gonna need um, b before going into my own business even though I didn't know what it was gonna be but I always had this sort of like thought in my mindset that I would do it before I was 30 that was kind of I like think my, my, my game plan yeah so I always had a five-year plan and, and I was optimistically when you're younger you're very optimistic like five years I'll have my own company we're yeah, going. Yeah, yeah. and I think Advice-wise, that's that's something for another time. But I always said I want to do that. So then, when I got to a company and I couldn't get past that point, I'm like, well, I can't, I can't, I can't stay here. And you'd ask the question, like, is there any chance? No. So I always had the plan from quite a young age that I wanted to run my own business. But it's getting to that point and how you do it. If you don't just come out of university, come and set me up my own business, do that. Some people do, and that's brilliant. But a lot of it is the experience, and I don't think. I'd be in a position where we are now if I hadn't gone through all those companies, built up the connections and networked with all that. Because the fortunate thing when I set up my own place was I knew a lot of people right away across the country regarding different areas that I need help with or clients. So it was quite easy to get started. And a lot of people look at you going, How? you can't just magic money, magic clients, up like that. And it actually felt like it did because of the networks, I, uh, connections I had. And... That's that's probably the biggest benefit I've had, but I've not known I've been doing it. Yeah, so. interesting. Because you can't you you. Um, I suppose it's a different. I suppose it's like a different stage, though, isn't it? Because I think like obviously you've got like the connections. You you got like the connect. You had like a connection base to go to. Wow, very different for me. I had nothing. Mm -hmm. um, but I, what I did have was ten years, not ten years, six years of industry experience knowing that what I was doing on a day-to-day -day basis with my own business inspired me more mm -hmm. than yeah, working yeah. somewhere else so like yeah. I think that was the the one thing I took away from like corporate land was even though I'm earning a third of the money this is way more inspiring on a daily mm -hmm. even though I'm my own on a daily basis to try to like achieve yeah, something yeah. for me uh than just moving money from one rich person's account so, yeah, to another rich person's yeah. account by selling something in between. Yeah, I think when 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 I got let go, it was, I went for interviews, lots of agencies for quite senior roles and I got offered them. And it, it, I sat there going, do I really want this? Do I really want to go and work for another agency with 200 odd people and just, just be there? There's nothing else I can do. Yes, I'm managing team, but I can't get any higher. I can't go any further. It's just going to be the same old. And I remember sitting down with my father-in-law and not knowing, I'm like, I can't make a decision, I don't know. And 
I kind of made myself a little, a little bit of a comfort blanket when I did it because I said to myself, if I can get contract work, what I can run through my own business, then I've got a comfort blanket. If I can get a contract signed for six, 12 months, whatever, I've got that comfort blanket. And what, that's what I did. And when I got, when I met with him and says, right, oh, this is what I want from that company, contracts, six months to do this. And I said, yes. At that point, I said, right, I'm, I'm going with it. I'm set me up in place. I'm going to do it this way. And after I did that, about a month later, I remember three or four people come to me and says, you did the right thing. We couldn't tell you to do that because it's your decision, but you did the right thing. And yeah, it's, it's the most amazing thing ever. Just a work-life balance, managing your own time. Okay, you've got to learn a hell of a lot and you'll be working crazy hours or working through the weekend and stuff yeah. like that. And people people think, oh, you've run your business, it's happy, you can stop whenever you want. My wife won't tell you that. No, <laughs> no. My first holiday was uh, about five years after running the business where I didn't do any work. So like the others, you can't really classify them as holidays. Yeah, and yeah. I went to a wedding. <laughs> I went to a wedding in the south of France. Um, I went to a wedding in the south of France and our API partner in America uh, I did something. Yeah. I don't know what they did, but the API went down and I'd literally been in France about 20 minutes. And I, I was like, nothing seems to be working. So I so sat on this balcony yeah. like, what the fuck? Tap, yeah. Tapping on the computer like going, what is going on? Like nothing, none of our systems are working. And we got this email saying that system's down. I was like, how long is it down for? Like four yeah. days. Like, oh God. That's this holiday done. Uh, the only thing I got to do was go to the wedding. Yeah, and then the rest uh, of it. And then the rest of it, yeah. I just worked from the back because there was nothing else. It was either that or the business stops. Well, the first employee I had, that when he came on, I went on honeymoon about two, three months after. And I took my laptop and shit, the fan. So I pulled out my laptop on honeymoon and fixed the set. And every, all the clients come out, what are you doing? You're on honeymoon. like, if I don't do it, no, nobody's going to yeah, do it. Nobody's going to do so, it. So it was, it was interesting and you've got to sometimes. Yeah, yeah you do. And um, how do you think with regards to like thinking about like the last 18 months, and we spoke <laughs> very briefly at the start off camera about the uh, COVID-19, like what did you learn through that period about the business that will stay with you? And that's sort of like advice that you would live by or you'll just continue to, to have that lesson that carry with you. It, yeah, it's it's an interesting one because COVID initially didn't affect us too much uh, as we were talking about. So the first first lockdown, even the second lockdown, lockdown, we had a load of work there anyway. It was the third lockdown that actually really hit because it was a full year. Nobody had done any kind of planning regarding the budgets, what they were going to do next year and how they were going to do it. And obviously our about 80%, 70% of our market was the ledger industry. So it was literally just see you, bye-bye. They're all closed. So it was it was tough. But I bet everybody says this is not to worry. And it's, I'd probably say the same thing. But the, the thing with it is, as a business owner, you can sit and there, look at figures, look at figures going out, look at figures coming in and really pick the small things apart and going, oh, bugger, we're going we're gonna to lose this, we're going to lose that. And actually, when you then spread it over a three, four, five month period and look at it, it's tiny, it's hardly made any difference. And I think once you get a bad, something bad that comes in like COVID, you sit there and looking at worst case scenarios. What about this? What about that? And I know myself, I was up for near enough two days solid just worrying about all the small stuff that could happen and none of them happened. It just carried on. So I guess it's just it's just living living the moment a little bit but don't look too close to, to the future. Don't don't worry about a week. Start worrying about six months. Yeah. It's a bigger period to look at yeah. instead of that. And I think for our progression as a business, 
And that's how I'm going to look at it. Is I'm not going to start worrying about a week or so. Obviously, you've got to as you run a business, but don't don't worry too much about it. And kind of look at the six month, seven month, eight month. Where do you want to get to at that point? And if COVID happens in that period, so be it. But your, your target's at the end of it, not at the beginning of it. Yeah, I totally agree with that, actually. I'd say that's just that's a lesson I learned. I totally agree with that. I think, I said to you, like, we lost, like, three months worth of trade and then still were up. Mm. I thought I'd known that at the start of the um, three months. I probably would have enjoyed the first three months. <laughs> of, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. I probably would have enjoyed it slightly more and been out running like everybody else as opposed to, like, on the Zoom at four o'clock drinking wine thinking, what's going on? But... Yeah, I, I can, I can, I can, I completely agree with that. I think yeah. that getting out the other end of it and it's just being balanced yeah. still, and you're just like actually not a lot really. Like some positive things have changed, and obviously mm-hmm. there has been negatives. But yeah, generally speaking, I wish I, I do wish I'd have worried less. Yeah. At the the first and it, and it, the, when it, I started to worry less, I switched the news off. <laughs> but yeah. I, I, quite yeah, religiously, yeah, yeah, yeah. I. I uh, up up until March 16th, I started my day with the news. Yeah. I haven't listened to the news for 18 months. Yeah. Uh, like it was an easy thing to ditch, actually, and actually just gives you things yeah. to worry about. Yeah. yeah, like things that are completely not in your control. It's it is it, it was a very interesting one because it's like so our financial year ended in April May, and when obviously our busiest period was literally when COVID hit. So that non happened, and it was. That was our lowest turnover ever because of it. But then the turnover the year after that's ended was nearly doubling a bit more. So it yeah. kind of shows you the bounce back. And that, that's what I mean about worrying. It's like if I was sat there worrying about shit, 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 actually, if I'd have just chilled and gone for a run, gone for a walk and that lot, it'd have been so much easier. Yeah, there was actually nothing to worry about. No, it, I know, it's your head. It, it is your head, yeah. So your business has obviously grown pretty quickly, so three, three years. Mm. Um, I think it will be interesting to understand, like, from you, the perspective of what you failed at. Because, yeah. like, it's really easy to look at a business that's grown, like, grows quickly. I'd be like, oh, that's doing really well. But, like, underneath the cover, underneath the body of it is actually a lot of failures, isn't there? I think every bloody day or every week I'm failing on something. And I think the biggest, I want to, I guess, it depends what your class is a failure and if you can change a failure into a success or something that's actually positive. So one of the areas that probably I've, I've discovered in the past three years is doing too much. Now, I'd say yes to everything. And the problem at that point is all you're doing is watering down everything you've got and actually not putting as much focus into it. So then you're stressing, you're running around like a madman, producing all this stuff and then going, actually, it's not the best I could do. And I think it's only probably in the past year or so but I've said, actually, say no to people. What's the worst that's going to happen? And I think it's also the mentality of a business a little bit, as in, in, in business, you don't want to say no, because obviously you want the money, you want the business, you want to succeed and you want to progress. But you've also then got to look at it as you can't have your staff running 100% all the time over solid weeks, seven days a week sometimes. And saying no just like gives you that breathing space to be able to do it. And actually, what you get from that is probably a lot more than what you would have just from saying yes at that moment in time. And I still do it now, say yes sometimes, but a lot of the time I'm trying to just settle down a little bit. And it's, I won't classify it as a failure, but it kind of is a little bit because it was, it's something that it's took me three years to learn. Do you, you mentioned that in, like in your blog about uh, managing your own expectations and managing the expectations mm. of your team. And 
what how have you how have you gone about developing that sort of like the it's like what you're saying around like oh don't say no to anything like if you read like Richard Branson famously says like yeah. say yes work out yeah, like, yeah. as a digital agency so says, can you do this like, oh, yeah 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 Google yeah. that yeah. let me know what it is yeah we can work out how to do yeah. that like a bit. How how what what did you do? What have you done? Is it been like a conscious thing? Have you gone and read something? Have you gone and st- what have you done to sort of like ease that uh, ease the sort of like the weight that you pile on yourself? Because that's what you do when you run a business. You just whack it yeah. all on your shoulders. I think the biggest thing is the people you bring on board. Now, if you don't bring on people that you can trust and you can allow to get on with it. All you're doing is absorbing it yourself and just having a person sit there and type something on a keyboard. So actually, one, one of the biggest things is getting the right people. Everybody says it was the most difficult thing to do. It really is. Um, but in terms of kind of how I got to, the, to that stage of saying yes to think some things and saying no to others, it all really depends. You've got to look at your goals of what you're trying to achieve for the business. What you what you what's your staff want to do? What you wanting to do? How you're going to do it? And where where you personally want to go? Um, there's a good old saying that when when you go for an interview, say yes and learn it after. And there is some something to that. And if somebody says right, I need you to do that, and you're going to help them out of shit to be able to do it, yes, I'll go and learn it. Fine, fantastic. But if you've got that nagging client that just thinks that they could just chuck these random things on you to pick it up and help them out of shit. Yes, you can do it sometimes, but doing it all the time, all you're doing is putting strain on everything. So it's really being careful and picking and choosing where where you want to progress, where you want to say yes and where you want to say no. Uh, in terms of where I've got that from, I don't think I've... It's like you said, you see Richard Branson say yes, say yes to everything. I was an idiot. Yeah. You can't say yes to everything. And I've, it's probably just something I've picked up and it's my own personal trait. And I still think I can do more with that because... My wife would agree that I'm a madman. I'll just, I'll just try and do everything. Like you can't. You've just got to cut back and, and and do a lot less. One of the things I've had to really, I've struggled with, not not so much as struggles, maybe the wrong word, but like uh, I'm getting older, and I can't work the same yeah. as when I was even like two years yeah. ago. I'm physic. My eyes don't let me do it for a start off. Like I physically cannot look at mm-hmm. the screen. Uh, for as long as I, I mean, I used to like when I first had I'd wake up on the table yeah. downstairs. I'm just like, what time is it? Five o'clock, start working. Yeah. Like, well, how long have I been asleep? Jesus, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I physically cannot yeah. work like that anymore. And I'm like, as I'm sort of going towards my latter part of my thirties, uh, I've definitely become acutely aware that I physically can't yeah. put the hours in. Yeah, yeah, like, I, and it's not, it's not, and it's not through the lack of wanting yeah, yeah. to. I physically yeah, can't yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah physically cannot just whack out 60 70 hour a week yeah, like yeah. i like i used to be and i've had to like i've had to like is when reading your blog it made that's one of what that what that made me think about like in my recent sort of like journey of discovery about myself it's like stop giving yourself such a fucking hard time yeah. all the time like sometimes i'll come in a bit later now and i get stuck when i arrive but then i'm thinking to myself like Wow, man, you opened the door for six, like yeah. five, for four or five years on your own mm-hmm. at five o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning. And I had enough early starts to warrant yeah. a line. But it's a bit like, for me, it's been about like just trying to balance my sort of like my energy and where I'm at within like my like my actual body and how old I am. Yeah. And understanding I can't just do it. I remember when I first started out and I've just night five a week. No problems. Always in the office. Yeah. 12, hours, 12 hours a day. No problems. Work weekends. Bring in the money. And I look back on that now and think, I don't know how I did that. 
No. I don't know how, I don't know how I work the hours. <laughs> like, like I used to like, and go out at night for drinks with stuff after work or whatever. You get in like midnight and you're back in the office at six. You'd be like, I don't know how I did it. Like until midnight, you know, you do 16, 17 hours. And I physically don't know how I actually work the hours now. And I think there is an element of, I, I'm writing a blog for something at the minute about like, I don't, I actually don't believe that there's so much shit out there about, oh, you know, work-life balance. Like, if you start a business, there is none. Yep. This is not a thing. Like, especially at the start, you have to work out how you're going to put that in if the if the business is yeah. is, is, a, is in a position to be able to get to yeah. you to be able to do that. Yeah. You might yeah, it might be one year, it might be ten years, you know. Um but yeah, that 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 when I was reading it, re- reading about that it made me think about like we just three of us had proper exhaustion throughout yeah. lockdown. Coming into Christmas, yeah. I mean Jules and I I'd probably had three days off between us. I think I'd had one, two days off. I'd had no time yeah, off. Yeah. Jules had a week off. And we were bollocks. Yeah. We were knackered. We were like, can't carry on working like this, even though there's nothing else to do. Yeah, I think uh, it's quite, actually, it's quite of recent. So COVID, I didn't have any holidays, didn't have anything. And I started probably, when was it? I'd probably say June time. I started to become an angry man. Yeah. I actually felt it. And it got to the point I've never noticed it before where you get, everything gets on top of you. And I was just snapping at something. So even my wife was telling me, just, why are you doing that? Why am I doing that? And I could I could sense it myself. And that's when, no, I just need to have some time off. I need a week away. And we we went away and I just literally just stared at some sand and some sea and drank alcohol and fruit juice, whatever, for the, for the full week. Yeah. And it was nice. And actually, you hear people go on, on about about doing too much. And until you get to that point where you do just break or get near to it, you don't realise, especially when you're young, you think you're invincible. You could do as many hours as you want, and you probably can, but it's not good for you. Nah. It's not good at all. My, my best mate ran me up actually. It was like end of November, like this, like just a bit later in the year now. I was like, we're a bit worried about you. I was like, why? He's like, well, your mum says you haven't had day off all year. Mm. I was like, there's nothing to do, is there? He's like, yeah, do just do nothing. <laughs> I just don't do anything. So I went that he's like, you're coming to us this weekend. So I drove down to London that weekend. I took a Friday off. And we just sat around and watched football back to back. Yeah. I'm just coming back on Tuesday. I mean, I, I felt, uh, you just thought it's like, well, I mean, rest mm-hmm. is important. Especially as you get, you know, through your 30s, you, you just cannot work like you could work yeah. as a as a young, early 20s grad. There's, Go out, eat, drink, whatever, back to work, repeat. You don't know how it changes you, though. You don't know doing so much at what point what happens. Like, I didn't know I became an angry man until I actually noticed it myself. Yeah. And actually, I've probably got to that point. I'm not doing it. Got to that point at other points in my life, but not noticed. And it was only that point that actually I've gone, I can't, I, what, what am I doing? I can't be like that. And I think that's probably quite a revelation over COVID because I've learned something about myself of like at the point I'm getting to and how a trigger. If yeah, I start, yeah, if I start yeah. picking up the phone and just shouting down the phone at clients and telling them to bugger off, but I don't do often, then the chances are I need a break. And it's, uh, that's probably going to be quite, quite something useful over the next years because I'm going to, I'm going to start to know actually, no, I need some time off, just cut it and go. Um, or try and not get to that point And actually uh, as a business owner, you don't have any time off. You really don't. But actually, you get to pick and choose when you're working. So if, for instance, you're coming in early and leave later, fine. Or if you 
get some work done and go, right, we're going to go out for something to eat. We'll go out for two, two and a half hours or something and then come back and work. It's It's been smart with your time. Yeah. I don't think you you have to stop yourself from having those little nice times or being able to do stuff like employees would. You've just got to be smart about it and actually do it at the right times or plan around it. When you're busy, you're busy. When you're not, you're not. Use it. In your blog, you talk a lot about uh, customer service. Yes. Uh, I think this is something our businesses share um, uh, a real sort of like common ground. I think one of the, uh, I'd be interested to get your take on customer service. Like one of the things that's been, that, that I can say has been a success for this business and has led to all of these guys' jobs is I moved us from using email to WhatsApp mm-hmm. really quickly okay. when WhatsApp was first yeah. sort of like became mainstream. And the reason for that is we send most of the people that send it, clients send it is a picture. Yeah. Can you upload this? Yeah. Well, by the time you've emailed it, yeah, yeah. And, and the, we just send them on WhatsApp. I can just yeah, yeah. put it straight on from my phone. Mm-hmm. So we we swapped to WhatsApp really quick, really quickly. And actually, one of the business. The one of the business partners at the time he left because it was one of his big gripes with the with the with the business. But one of the things it created that we didn't realise at the time was was that the two blue ticks means the client knows that you've got it. Mm-hmm. And then the responsibility for replying is back yeah, yeah. on us. So like from a, what I found from the customer servicing aspect of the business, we were always on the front foot with mm-hmm. the customer because they were either we were either waiting to see they read it or they knew we'd read it and they were waiting for us to reply. So we say, oh, We'll reply and deal with that within yeah. a 24 hour period, which I didn't realize was quite drastically different from the other way, like yeah. content marketing and yeah, marketing yeah. agencies do it. You, know, you might be waiting a week for your email reply. So that customer service led to really solid referrals yeah, yeah. to like, oh, these are really quick, really prompt, um, and probably very different to the sort of customer yeah. servicing that you, you do. But how important in, in your uh, growth journey as your customer service has been. It's the biggest. It's still. I still remember when I when it comes through, it pings on the phone and that. So I've got very good at multitasking. So just answering something, getting through it, or, or, or distributing it to to the staff. But we, I've always, I always remember that client goes, "Bloody hell, you've answered that quick. I don't normally get a response that quick, or I don't normally get this. Oh, you've already done it. Fantastic." And I think the customer service is one point of being very proactive with it. But what I found the biggest one is understanding the business and it sounds so so small like just understand who we are but a lot of companies just do the work they don't actually care what the work is or what it works for so one of our clients clip and climb i actually probably know more about the business than a lot of their employees do and they'll even say that to me says you know more than them and that's helped me because i've always been there questioning stuff so i mean we've got a relationship where i can question stuff like are you sure that's right and and find it so uh, an employee comes back and says, oh, we need this to. And I'm like, really? Because what about this, this, and this? Oh, I didn't think about that. And it's actually, it's more like a um, a partnership than it is as a as a, a, a business of business. And that's, that's really helped. The only problem with something like that is investing so much time to get into that that position of being known a business so well takes time. Yeah. And obviously it takes resources. So it's very, very difficult to do. Um, in terms of, kind of communicating on that lot. I think emails are fine, but if I'm going to drop a, a, a email saying your retainer's going up, bloody phone them first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just picking up the phone and saying, look, this, I'm going to explain everything in an email, but I just thought I'd let you know this, 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 and this. And the chances are, they're going, yeah, 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 not a problem. But then when it's come through, they're not phoning you up, going, what's this all about? 
because you've actually told them. And a lot of a lot of people hide behind your emails, and and obviously a lot of agencies have been in. Just send it. Just send it. I'll send it at five o'clock. Yeah. They'll see it tomorrow morning. It's like why? Yeah. Or five o'clock Friday. Yeah. It's yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. why? Or you're just delaying delaying the inevitable. Just either pick up the phone and tell them, or send them it at a reasonable time. Uh, the WhatsApp one's quite it's quite interesting. So we use it as for staff internally to to communicate stuff because actually everybody's always got their phones. It's just easier. Um, while we've got Slack and everything else like that, it's just it's just far quicker. But in terms of of clients, I'm trying to think. We've got one client that we've used it on, but I won't say it's it's a regular regular thing that we've done. But I might have to try. Yeah. So what we do with ours is we we literally so the the, the onboarding process is I didn't realise it was quite so different. But <laughs> our onboarding process is like when we agree a a new contract. Uh, the first thing we do is have a WhatsApp chat with them. Oh, okay. And that is the start of the onboarding process. And what we tend to find is with the customer is you're the only supplier that has a WhatsApp chat with them mm-hmm. as a client. Yeah, yeah. So you're front and centre of their mind. And we have a process whereby when it's a new customer, we'll literally contact yeah, them every yeah. week. Monday morning, yeah. anything you need, getting you used to the process, like because they're not used to it. And then over the months, they start to go, what, so we could just put stuff in here and you deal with it. Like, yeah, we keep telling you that. And then <laughs> they kind of get, they, they, yeah. and, and then they fit into that. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't become like email to them, but they will, it, it's not like every day. They're not like messaging you every day, but they, they then understand how our business works. And they understand that if they send something in the week, that's under 30 minutes in length, we can process it that week. Yeah. And all they need to do is get it in the WhatsApp queue. Yeah. And if it's not, if it's longer than a 30 minute job, we'll come back to them with the day when it's going to be done. And it just, I don't know, we've, we've, we've found that what, what we've found with what we've been able to do with the that is that Jules and I, we're actually able to manage all of the client portfolio yeah, yeah. and the guys can work on it. And we just then literally send them the work down another WhatsApp yeah, yeah. channel. And it sort of integrates really well from us as a business, but definitely from a, a customer service in perspective that I know you've seen it and you've replied quickly to say, got that, it's on our radar, or here's the date it'll be done yeah, on, yeah. or that'll be done by Friday. Makes really nice, uh, it, it, it makes a very transactional place to do customer service in. So what would, do you just on the fast growth of the thing, what, mm. what, what would be your piece of advice for anybody managing it? For managing fast growth? Yeah, anybody that finds themselves thinking, fuck, this is going fast. Like, what would be your advice? I think you need, you need to focus on your core. You can grow as fast as you want, but if you don't have that core um, of the heart of the business, so the people, the, the, the personalities of the people and the, the ethos like we were talking about earlier, then it's bloody pointless because all you're going to do is expand and contract again. If you can get the, the base right and the people right that you can trust and rely on, you can scale infinitely because you know you've got that structure in place to be able to do it. And I've seen I've seen many companies do just, just grow, exponentially grow, and and then in two years' time, they've literally just fallen back on themselves. So if you, if you can't get that core right, then it's, it's bloody pointless altogether. And I... You save that car a lot of the time as, as, a, as a business owner, organically growing. Sometimes it just does go boom. And I think we have to be aware of that. We have to be aware that it could change. It could change tomorrow and it, it shrink again. It could change. It could get bigger. But you've still got to keep that that base of how you work, how you operate, your, your, your people you've got, and kind of 
how you do stuff to be the same and not let that get watered down by more people and more projects that come on board. Right, last question. So, um, like, Richie, you it all the way around to the start, really. What's the advice you'd give to your teenage self? Stop caring. I think right away from the beginning, I've always set a plan of, like, five years, I want to do this. Five years, I want to do that. And I've always, I've always gone, oh, I want to get to that, I want to get to this, and worried about not getting there. And actually, if you start living there and getting experience, it'll all fall into place. And I see it now with a lot of, 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 a lot of younger uh, developers and that lot. They're all like, oh, I want to be this, I want to be that. It's like, yeah, but that's 15 years away. Just build up the tools you need and start working, and you will get there. And I, I was one of those people that I walked into a business like, I want to run it. Like on day one, it's like, it doesn't work like that. Let's just get in there and, and start building up the, the paint. So it's just kind of take your time and, and don't try and rush it. And it will fall into place. If you enjoy something so much and you've got the passion for it, it will happen. And, and that's what I'd probably say to myself. Interesting. I think mine would be like, enjoy the stages more. Even, I, even I having a career. Anyway. Even having yeah. a career. I enjoyed it all, but I always, I always wanted the next big yeah. thing. And it sounds, it sounds really weird when you say that, but it's like my five-year plan. I got to like three years gone. Why am I not running this business? Because <laughs> you've got sales experience, haven't you? Is that yeah. right? So I think that doesn't. I think that helps, but doesn't help. No, it doesn't because of those those targets. What you got to hit. Yeah, but it gives you that focus, like with the sales background. Because um, for me, I I either did a master's degree and then couldn't get a job doing anything that was in the master's degree, which was digital and new media communication. Yeah. I mean, Facebook was two, three. Yeah. So like getting a job doing that shit was yeah, almost yeah. impossible. So I ended up naturally going into sales mm -hmm. and being competitive from a sporting background, you're like, what, there's targets and mm -hmm. shit. And like, you can be the best. Wow, like who'd have thought it? The best earns the most, right? <laughs> like, yeah. it, it, at that point in my life, actually quite a toxic uh, situation to put yeah. myself in because somebody that's early 20s, wanted to be a professional footballer, then thought finding themselves earning not footballers' money, but yeah. I mean who'd have thought you could earn that money at twenty four? Yeah. Like, you know, you're like, geez, I just earned ten grand this month. Mm. Like, what's yeah. this? What if we spend it all? Quite a quite a top quite a toxic, uh, quite a toxic environment to to find yourself. But I think those skills that I've learned selling, coupled with what we were just mm. talking about in terms of like self startup versus uh, funding yeah. so the business I was on about around here the problem they've got is they've got no one can sell yeah. I'm like who's selling like why is somebody like that selling it every day you're all looking around at each other like the sale's going to walk yeah. through the door yeah. I think so when I did sales it was a little bit different because I, I worked as a developer but also because they knew I could talk as a developer I could go into businesses and sell it so it was a little bit it wasn't a hard sell as such because I just went in and went, yeah, that's not going to work, that's not going to work, that'll work, but you've got to do this, this and this. And I straight away believed me. It was literally, it was like being candid to children. It was yeah. like, oh, brilliant, fantastic. But that's because I knew what I was talking about, knew what, what problems I had, and gave them a solution to it. Whereas the sales that are doing a hard sell, they have no bloody clue what they're walking into the walkthrough, but oh, you need this, why? And they can't answer it. And that, that really helped. And that's kind of, that mentality of how I sold then is still how I sell now. Because I'm, I'm not just going to sell them a load of random crap because it makes no sense. All it's going to do is come in and go back out again. Yeah. So it, it, it helped that way. So if you look at the steps I've gone through in my, in my career, I've kind of ran businesses from not 
running a business, yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, I've done yeah, all yeah. the steps. Yeah. So then when it came to actually running yeah. it, it was just gluing it all together. Yeah. I think one of the things I'd say to Artie itself is like the sales jobs that you hate, you're going to hate, will <laughs> be the making yes. of you at the end. It's like I was selling gas and electricity. I was like, well, I'm selling gas and electricity. What am I doing? You'd be in it for now if you were doing it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like when I was selling gas and electricity at PowerGen, I was like, what am I doing this for? Yeah. I think one of the key components to success and from similar from what you're saying it's like if you can sell or you understand that selling is a skill mm-hmm. it's not a gift of the gab that you are on a good footing to start a business because yeah. without sales especially the, i mean i spend so much not wasted time but talking to people on zoom and they're like trying to analyze <laughs> why the marketing plan's yeah. not working or trying to do this or trying to you just, you're just not selling yeah, yeah. You no know, selling's like do you want to buy this do you want to buy this? 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 Like that is one of how you get it going. And like you said, with your contacts on LinkedIn, yeah. about the first thing you did was like, who needs this? Yeah, one one of our one of our main clients, uh, the, the salesperson was just he's been promoted, so he's further up the chain now. He loves the product so much that he could just walk in and enthusiastically sell it, and they'll all buy it because he's so he loves it. He believes and breathes. If you were to take somebody that would resemble the business, it would be him. And the Europeans hate it, but in the UK, if you go in, they'll love it. It's this, it can do this, it can do that. They believe him. And actually, why would somebody be so that enthusiastic about it if it wasn't good? Yeah. yeah and yeah, yeah. that straight away is, and you have a lot of the European sales that look at him and go, how are you doing it? I went, he just loves it. And he, that's why they like it. And he can walk into some of the bigger companies like your Namco's and things like that and just sell it. Well, that, done. Yeah, let's buy it. And there's there's so much about that, about knowing your product, enjoying your product, believing in your product, that sells it. A salesperson you bring in for 20 grand that's just sitting on the phone selling it, don't want to be there. Yeah. So it's not going to sell it, is no, it? No, yeah, it's agreed. It's agreed. I think, that, I think that is really important to people that... Uh, I would say that a lot of people that I've spoken to in the last... Three, four years that are struggling with their business, like you just don't sell it. Yeah. Like, like the go and do a year of selling something, even at like going and standing. I've sold all sorts of stuff. Like, do you know what I mean? Like from standing on event stands, selling yeah. stuff, like trying to get people over exhibitions. Uh, attracting people to buy from you is in that early phase of your business is key. And like in your blog, you say about building your network and yeah, yeah. having that, but you still got to go and approach it. I think growth as well. I, I think people don't understand that as well. It's all right doing the sales, but then growing those clients. So yeah. my, my, the biggest fear I have, and I still have it now, is phoning up that client to say your retainer's got to go up. I sit there for about four hours going, do I really have to do it? Everybody's happy, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you've got to do it. And actually, I've always prepared myself for the argument of, but why? And it's never happened. Yeah. And that, you, it's both sides of it. You've got to be able to sell it but also then look at still growing it. You can't just get somebody on and keep them on for the next 20 years and nothing happens. Yeah, nothing changes. Yeah, it's pointless. So that completes this episode of Spotlight With. Don't forget to like, rate and subscribe and we'll see you really soon for some more episodes.